Center's Lenten mission on the four last things death, judgment, hell, and heaven. This is a stirring wake up call to modern society which has desensitized itself to the realities of sin, death, man's immortal soul, and the life hereafter. This mission was given by Father Isaac Mary Relier in St. Catherine's. Ontario, Canada, in the 220th year of our Lord, just prior to Ash Wednesday. This is the fourth and final conference of this mission on the theme of heaven. Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, her mother. To thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petition. But in thy mercy, hear and answer. A Lady of Fatima, St. Joseph, St. Francis, St. Alfonso Gori, St. Anthony Mary Claret, St. Vincent Ferreira, St. Margaret of Catona. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. So today we come to, really is the best topic the best talk is about heaven. Why do I say that? Because this is what God created us for. And my friends, I find that very few people meditate upon heaven. Most people don't even know, have any clue of what's waiting for us in heaven. And St. Paul does tell us, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, what God has prepared for those who love him. But the church still gives us an idea and we still know parts of the mysteries. And so meditation, the saints tell us on the four last thing, should be every a part of your daily life. And you don't have to do all four every day, but have, you know, you could break it up. And it depends where you are in life. Like if for wicked sinners, and there's a lot of, we're all sinners, but for someone who especially is just converted, say, or needs a conversion, uh, hell is one of the best things to meditate. Death and judgment, because these things move the soul. It rattles us. They reveal the truths that God has revealed to us, and that your whole eternity depends upon. It all, your whole eternity. Like I said, in the four last things, constantly emphasizing that we, this life is passing. This is a pilgrimage that we're not meant for this world. And just about most people, most people live for this world and this world alone. 
And that's not going to get you to heaven. And so the four last things are so crucial for you to, to make this part of your spiritual life. And there's many good books out there I recommend. St. Alphonse Liguori is called uh, Preparation for Debt. That's my favorite. There's nobody better than him in my opinion. Nobody. But we, there's many other great saints have written on this. Uh, Father Cochem, he's a great Franciscan, he wrote on this. And there's many things you can read on the four last things. But I always recommend, make sure they have the initials ST in front of the name. Years ago, I had a saintly moral professor. His name was Father Alphonse Sutton. He was truly a saint. And I don't... He's about the only one that I can say that I know in my life that I really believe was a true saint. And one time he was going back to Rome and I said, you have some advice for me? And he said, my son, never waste your time reading good books. So I started looking at him a little and, uh, and he goes, and I, so what I mean by that is read only the fathers of the church, the doctors of the church and the saints. And he says, when you do that, you'll grow in wisdom and holiness. And now I give you that advice, and it's good advice, because the saints are here to show us the way to heaven, too. They live the life. They're our heroes, and we want to read it. So I recommend constantly that everyone should have a book, a biography of a saint at your bedside. So before you go to bed, you should be reading something edifying so that you'll have holy dreams And that your last thought is about God and going to heaven. So if you don't wake up, you know, you're preparing yourself. But these books will constantly challenge. The saints challenge us constantly. And when I read the saints, I feel, I see my failures. It makes me feel like a worm sometimes. And that's good. Because we need to be pushed, all of us. And so, I mean, you don't have to do it right before you go to bed, but I recommend so you could get biographies of saints. In today's world with the Internet, Internet is used for so much evil, but we could use it for God's glory. And there's sites out there that have Catholic books, hundreds of lives of the saints, and you could read them, read them all, keep reading the lives of the saints. Because let me tell you, you'll get more out of reading Life of the Saints than you probably will out of reading a book just on theology. Why? Because you could read all you want, but you have to put it in practice. And when you read the Life of the Saints, you're seeing the theology in action. You're seeing someone living it out. And when you read biography after biography, you're going to all be in situations. Say, wait a minute, St. Pio did this. You know, Saint, I, I mentioned today in the prayer, Saint Margaret of Cortona. What an unbelievable saint. Her body is still incorrupt in the town of Corona, or Cortona, excuse me, in Italy. And I visited at least three or four times in my life. And she was a wicked, wicked sinner. A wicked sinner. And you, what happened was when she was young, she was a very beautiful girl, stunning, they said. And her mother died when she was four, and her father married another man, a woman. And that woman was jealous of her and treated her very cruel. And when she was 16, there was a prince that was uh, from town, and he was trying to, to uh, convince St. Margaret to come with him, and she would, he would marry her, which was forbidden in those times. If you were royalty, you couldn't marry someone who was, uh, it was not. And so finally she believed him and she went with him 
and they ended up cohabitating for many years. She had a child out of wedlock, and she got hardened in her sins. And, and this is in the 13, 14th century. And she would come into town with her fancy dresses and all her jewels and prance around and put it in people's face. That's what people do today. They're proud of their sins. And then one day the prince went hunting, and he didn't come back when he was supposed to. And all of a sudden his dog comes up to St. Margaret and was acting funny. So finally she followed the dog, and under a bunch of branches they buried it. The prince was killed. And St. Margaret of Cortona had an instant conversion, and she became one of the greatest penitents in the history of the church. She became a third-order Franciscan. She dedicated her life to the poor. She had a child out of wedlock with the prince. That child ended up becoming a priest, a Franciscan priest. And when you read her life, it is so edifying, <clears throat> so edifying. And I tell you this so because we need, there's a saint for everyone. There's saints. So somebody living a life like St. Margaret did, just a life like that will encourage you to live a holy life. St. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, was possessed by seven demons. And she's one of the greatest saints. And our Lord said, everyone will remember her till the end. Because much was forgiven, and therefore she loved even more. And so I'm telling you some of these things that I encourage you to do these things. And when you read the lives of the saints, you're going to see the four last things constantly. And you're going to be encouraged. Those of you who are married, there's saints that were married. Live, read saints that had the same vocation as you. To push you forth, forward, and to encourage you. We need encouragement, all of us. All of us. And real quick, I picked this. We have this. It's called uh, St. Patrick's Breastplate. And I saw it, saw it back there, of course. And I just wanted to point it out. It's for free. Pick it up. I recommend that you say this prayer every day. The breastplate is very powerful prayer of protection against every kind of evil. Because St. Patrick, when he went to Ireland, he converted those Druids. They were witches and warlocks. And, and you read his stories, it'll blow you away. All the miracles that he performed, because he was a man of God. But this breastplate, the prayer, protects you against witches, warlocks, all kinds of things. Against drowning, against hitting, being hit by lightning. In our times, we need this prayer desperately. You have to arm yourself today. Because more and more people are falling away from the faith. And as Father Gabriel Moth, I quoted him the other day, when that happens, they turn to superstition. So we're surrounded by a society that's entrenched in everything that's against God, from the occult to unnatural uh, lifestyles, you name it. And so read the lives of the saints. We started talking about death. How death is mandatory for all men. It's a penalty of the sin that Adam and Eve committed, original sin. And death, once again, was not in God's plan. One of the gifts that Adam and Eve had was immortality. That they would not have to die if they were obedient. So we all inherit this. We all die. Every one of us sitting here, starting with myself, there's a date set. For all eternity, that on a coming date, on a certain hour, a certain minute, a certain second, you will drop dead. 
I'll tell that uh, once again that story I told the other day of a woman I know, her brother in his late 50s went to visit his friend in the hospital. And he said, let's pray the rosary. He was doing the corporal works of mercy. And after the end of the rosary, he made the sign of cross. And his friend, the sick friend, thought he fell asleep. He didn't fall asleep. 15, 20 minutes later, whatever talk, he, he told the nurse, can you see if he's all right? And he wouldn't move because he was dead. He was dead. He went there to do an act, hoping that his friend would survive, and God took him. And so we have to be ready because we could all, all die at any moment, at any time. And so the whole purpose of these talks is to be ready for that moment. Because your eternity depends on that. You're in grace, all is saved. You're not in grace. You're in mortal sin. Don't listen to these heretics that tell you when you die, Jesus comes and say, Okay, Johnny, what do you want to choose, heaven or hell? Nonsense. Nonsense. It's a divine judgment and a divine sentence that's irrevocable. It can never, never, ever be changed. And it, as we know, it goes on forever. We took you through the commandments as an examination of conscience, and this is very important. No, you, I encourage you, take advantage of the sacraments, especially the sacrament of confession. I recommend nothing less, nothing less than once a week. Many of the great saints went every day. And it's hard to find good confessors today, too, believe me. It's really hard. Uh, as a priest, it's, it's a torture when I have to go to confession, you know, because, uh, you know, I mean, I've had priests that didn't use proper forms of absolution. Every day I have to correct them. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in the confession. I, I, I'm going to have to go to confession again by the time I get done with this confession. And so pray to the Blessed Virgin that she will choose for you a steady confessor. Very, very important. And she'll do it. They're out there. She'll find you one. Because a lot of people like to go pre, uh, priest hopping or priest shopping. And they say, you know, if I go to Father every week, he's going to think I'm not a saint. Well, he already, he already knows you're not a saint. <laughs> you know, that's why you get in the confessional too. You want to cleanse your sins. But don't, the devil loves for you to hide your sins. St. Augustine used the analogy of a wolf. When a wolf comes and grabs a little lamb, a little sheep, where does he grab the lamb? By the throat. Why? So that he can't cry out for the shepherd. Because when the shepherd hears the, the, the lamb uh, crying, he comes and he beats the wolf off. So that's what he does, St. Augustine says to souls. They want to get in the confessional, grab him by the throat. So that he'll can, he or she will conceal this, their sins. And now they're ten times worse off than when before they even went in there. So you want, pray that you have a good confessor, holy confessor, a confessor that has zeal for souls. And I'm going to give more advice at the end. And I'll give you four qualities of a good confessor that you should look for. And this is from the doctor of the church, St. Alphonse Liguori. He's a doctor on morals. Number one, a good confessor is a judge. He judges your sins, mortal or venial. He's a judge. That's why you go in there, you kneel. 
And the priest is sitting. He's a judge. Number two, the priest is a teacher. He teaches you how to walk in the ways of holiness. It says in the scripture, only a fool guides himself. So I always say, how many fools we have here today? Don't raise your hands. But only a fool guides himself. The next thing is so important that confessor is a physician of the soul. A physician of the soul. And just like a physician of, the, of a body, a doctor, MD, what happens when you go to the doctor? He diagnoses your disease. That's what he's finding. Let's find out what's really wrong with you. And we got to go through all these tests. We gotta, but then once he finds out, okay, you have, you, have, you have a flu, you have this or that, cancer, then he gives you a prescription, a remedy. And that's what a good confessor is supposed to do. He's supposed to identify your prominent vice, identify what is really uh, bringing you down, and then give you remedies and spiritual remedies to uproot that vice so that you'd rather die than ever commit it again. That's what a good confessor does. Any, when you're going to confession, I'm telling you right now, if you're getting that Dree Hill Mary's nonsense... Don't get me wrong, Dree Hill Mary's is awesome and powerful. But not, you want to get a confessor that's going to help you identify and uproot the vice. Like it's, today, we have such a problem with pornography and the internet. And these people are stranded and they're going to the priest. The priest don't even know how to help them because they weren't taught right. It's like, if you don't go to medical school, you're not going to know what to do, you know, what procedure or the proper medicine to give. If you don't study right, if, and they don't like to teach St. Alphonse, even the traditionalists, I don't understand it. And the last part, the last quality of a good confessor is that he's a compassionate father. You don't yell at souls in a confessional. As a matter of fact, the worse they are, the more, the more sinful they are, the more joyful the the priest should be. And so he embraces the soul, encourages the soul to help that soul to confess their sins and then to help them on their way to heaven. So these are some of the things, some tips. And we come now to the last conference on heaven. And so heaven is so important to meditate because the more we meditate upon heaven, it will help us to bear patiently with all the afflictions in this life and to offer them to God in return for the sufferings which Jesus Christ endured for love of us. We all have pains. Our bodies are falling apart. I know mine is. Uh, I could hardly walk. My knees are so bad. And guess what? God allows this because he wants us to... It's a reminder. You will die. Your body is rotting every day to a degree. Your body is falling apart because you're meant to die. It's a constant reminder. Wake up. But when we meditate on heaven, you say, you know, we have a goal. We're fighting for heaven. And this will encourage us to embrace the cross with our Lord. Because that is the only way to heaven. I'll drill that into you. The only way to heaven is the cross. So we all, this will encourage us. All these afflictions that we experience will one day have an end and will, if we save our souls, become to us sources of joy and happiness in the kingdom of bliss. 
In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 20, our Lord tells, Your sorrows shall be turned into joy. All our sorrows will be turned into joy. What can we save these joys when the most enlightened of the saints knew not how to describe the happiness which God has prepared for his faithful servants? St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he quotes Isaiah 64. It says, Eye is not seen, ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man what things God has prepared for those who love him. At the present, it is impossible to comprehend this happiness of heaven because we, do, we don't have any idea except of earthly enjoyment. We can't even begin to understand what's waiting for us. St. Bernard says, Do you wish to know what is in heaven? He says, There is nothing there that gives displeasure. There is everything that delights. You imagine that when you woke up today, you would have nothing would give you displeasure, There's, and everything would delight you? None of us experience that. We experience periods of delight and, uh, and how much displeasure do we experience. No displeasure. This is heaven and this is for eternity. And notice as we go along in this conference, everything is the opposite of what you heard yesterday about hell. Everything is the opposite. We could see some of the, uh, what the happiness in heaven is if we look Go home and read the book of the Apocalypse, chapter 21. Start reading that, and it describes heaven. And when we read Apocalypse 21, verses 1 to 4, we learn the following things. Number one, there is no infirmity in heaven, no poverty, no distress, no changes of days and nights, nor cold or heat. Imagine that, no infirmity. So no matter how bad your arthritis is, It's going to be gone. No matter how bad you have a bad heart, it's going to be gone. No illness, ever. No poverty. You know, how many people struggle in this world because they don't make enough money and it makes, it does make life difficult. But in heaven, you don't have to worry about that. There is no credit cards. There's no, nobody uh, collecting bills. There's none of that. No distress. We don't have to worry about the weather in heaven. You know, every, we're weird people, let's face it. We're, we're so, when it's cold out, we want, the, we want heat in our room. When it's, when it's really hot out, we want air conditioning. It sounds like we're, we're crazy. But these, these uh, you want to do penance? Accept the climate that God gives you. Don't be cranking that air condition. Don't be cranking the heat a little and offer it up in this world. But in heaven, it's going to be perfect. In heaven, there'll be no persecution, no envy. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that. Because if you're a good Catholic, if you are, one of the ways to tell is that you're being persecuted, that you're being calumniated, that you're being mocked and ridiculed. Why? Because Christ was. And what the Master has gone through, we must go through. Christ himself was mocked, was spit upon, was ridiculed, was called a devil, a drunk. And so today, in this world, we're constantly persecuted. 
Uh, you're a true Catholic. The world hates us. We could see it. I, uh, I remember years ago, Fulton Sheen said, if you want to find the true church of Jesus Christ, you find the church that's persecuted. And the only church that's really persecuted worldwide is the Catholic church. Why? Because the church is one with Christ. And the church is going through the stages of Christ's life. We all, with the church in the early ages, went through the hidden life. And then the second stage is like in the 12th, 13th century, God raised up all the great uh, missionaries, Franciscan, Dominicans, and so on. We entered into, the whole church entered into the active ministry of Christ. Where we're out there, the church is out evangelizing the world. And now we know we have entered the final stage, which is the passion of Christ. The whole mystical body is going through the passion of Christ. And that's why the church is being mocked. The church is being ridiculed. The church is being betrayed by who? Bishops, shepherds. Who betrayed Christ? Judas, one of the first bishops. Who's betraying Christ today? Hundreds of them. Priests are betraying him. So this is what? But in heaven, all this is gone. No more persecution. No envy. No jealousy. You won't, you, you won't desire. In heaven, you'll see people that are way above you have a greater glory than you. And you know what? It won't bother you. It will bring you joy. Imagine that. So many people are envious and jealous in this world and they think someone's, uh, you know, they, you know, they want what everyone else has. Even spiritually, it's amazing how many people, oh, I want, they think someone's holy and they, they, they're envious of that. So in heaven, there will be none of that. And I love the story, St. Anthony Padua. Uh, he appeared to this lady one day, and and he told her, he goes, because he's known in Italy as the saint. <laughs> That's it, the saint. That's how holy he was. His tongue is still incorrupt. I've seen it in Padua. And he said, if you think I'm holy, this is what he told this lady in a vision, wait till you get to heaven. There are souls that far surpass me in holiness. And they were unknown in the world. They lived a hidden life. Think about it. Look at the life of Our Lady according to the world. They said, Our Lady, what did she do? She was just a housewife. She was uh, uh, you know, a housewife taking care of her son, cleaning, cooking. She didn't do much. There's no greater saint. Our Lady's holiness far surpasses all the holiness of saints and angels together. So St. Anthony said, in heaven, there will be people there that surpass him. And they were normal people. It's not what you do, but with the love you do it for Christ. That's what changes you. So I always tell people, you're going you're gonna to be shocked of who you see in heaven, and they'll probably be more shocked if you're there. <laughs> and it's the truth. So all will live, all will love one another, and each will rejoice in the good of the other as if it was his own. It's beautiful, beautiful. I can't wait for that. In heaven, there is no fear, no fear, because the soul, once in heaven is confirmed in grace, can no longer sin nor lose sight of God or lose the beatific vision. 
And on earth, that's why we have, we should have fear. That's why St. Paul says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Because as long as you're breathing, you could betray Christ. But in heaven, all that fear will be gone. Because you can never lose God. That's why even the souls in purgatory, even though they're suffering, they're saints. And the souls in purgatory also in their sufferings are filled with joy because they know they will have the beatific vision and they will never lose it. A soul in purgatory can never lose their soul. It's awesome. So never. That's what, it's going to be such a joy. That burden is God. The next thing. Just like I, yesterday, as I said, we went in hell and we saw because man is composed of body and uh, composite of body and soul, you will suffer in your body and in your soul. And I went through all the sufferings in hell, the five senses, your sight, your hearing, your smell, your touch, and so forth. And I went through the, 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 the pains of the soul, your memory, your will, your understanding. And, and, and so now everything is the reverse in heaven. Your eyes will be, you'll be filled with joy. The beauty that we will see through our eyes. The beauty of heaven we see in Apocalypse chapter 21. We see how beautiful the view of the city. It's a city of gold, crystal, silver, adorned with flowers. And the saints that have had vision say, there's flowers in heaven that we, have, we don't even have on earth. And we see the beauty of what God has given us on earth. Some of these shows that you could watch about uh, the beauty of a world, how they zoom in on, on a little flower or insect. What the creation that God has created is so beautiful, uplifting. And that's why he created this world for us too. So that when we do see a beautiful sunset, we do see a beautiful animal or whatever, it should lift up our soul to God. You know, you got these, these crazy people that tree huggers, they're hugging the tree for the sake of the tree. They missed the whole point. Uh, you know, don't kill the whales, but it's alright to kill the babies. These people are sick. But in heaven, all these things, your eyes will be glorified and will bring much joy when we see. Once again, heaven is a place. A physical place. You're gonna have your body. Remember, when you, when, at the general judgment, everyone receives their body back. It will be you reunited with the soul. So I have a body. I'm in a place here. You're in a place. When you're in heaven, you have a body. You're in a place. Don't listen to these heretics telling you it's a state of mind. It's, it's no, it's a place. Our lady right now, our lady, she is physically in heaven because she didn't have original sin. She has her body in heaven. When she appeared to some of the saints, like Catherine Lavaray, it's beautiful. When her angel woke her up in the room and said, little boy, little blonde, it said, follow me. So this little boy, angel, walking down the stairs. And as he walked, all the lights in front of him went on, boom, boom, boom. Opens up the door, and there's the queen of heaven and earth. Our lady, sitting there in a chair. And St. Catherine had the privilege to come and rest her head upon the mother of God. What a gift. It was a real, a lady has a body in heaven. You're going to have a body in heaven. It's a place. And so that's another thing that our sight will be filled with joy when we see all the citizens of heaven. You'll see every soul will have a different degree of beauty. 
And it will fill us with joy when we see the other people that save their souls. It will be so beautiful. One of the greatest gifts is by our sight, we will behold the mother of God herself. We will not, you know, only behold her. We'll be able to talk with her, walk with her. We'll be able to praise God with her. I mean, it's no more just, you know, she's going to be physically present in our present. And to see the mother of God, all the saints that seen her, which physically, when she appeared, like Sister Lucia and, and St. Bernadette, that poor artist, you know, artists are very temperamental usually, and he was so frustrated because every time he said, Does, you know, Our Lady of Lords, I want this statue made, and every time he would unveil it, she would say, nope, nope, nowhere near the beauty of Our Lady, and he was so frustrated. Nobody could portray the beauty of Our Lady. And, you know, it's amazing. You come look at this statue here. Her face is so beautiful. It brings peace to your soul. Just imagine the real Blessed Virgin in the flesh. She'll never leave you. She'll be with you for eternity. And she will have much to talk to her about and much to thank her because nobody could get to heaven except through the Blessed Virgin Mary. I love that story St. Francis tells that he had the vision and he sees this ladder, two ladders going up to heaven. So his brothers are going up this ladder on the left. And some were getting farther than others and they kept falling off, falling off. And St. Francis is like, why, why can't my brothers get to heaven? And then all of a sudden on the right ladder, the Blessed Virgin was at the top and she said, Francis, send your brothers up my ladder. And every brother that went up there, right in, right in. You can't get in without her. You can't. She's the gate. All the graces we need to get to heaven, everyone comes through the Blessed Virgin Mary. And you're going to be there. And I can't, you can't wait. I know I can't to thank her for watching over you. We got to, the, you can't get to heaven. It's a sign of predestination if you consecrate yourself to her. But you'll be there. She'll be there in the flesh to thank. All the saints, you're going to see them in their glorified body. I have a litany of saints, and I'm sure everyone here does. You know, I can't wait to meet my Holy Father, St. Francis, St. Alphonse of Glory, all the ones that I pray to, the ones that have inspired me, and the ones that I never even knew, who bring great joy. I mean, we, it's nice when we get together like this. We go downstairs and have snacks. We meet people that are like-minded. It brings us joy to be around other people because we're not meant to live alone. But in heaven, it will be mind-boggling. And the greatest thing our eyes will behold is Jesus Christ himself in the flesh because our Lord still has his glorified body in heaven. And his glorified body still has the wounds in his hands, in his feet, in his side, but they're glorified. And why does he still have those wounds in heaven? So that for all eternity, we will be reminded of how much he loves us and how he paid the price for us. It's going to be awesome to see Jesus in the flesh. Our hearing, my friends, will be glorified. I told you yesterday how those in hell are tortured by the screams and uh, listening to all the people being tortured by the demons. 
And even on earth, when people, you hear people screaming, I've been into hospitals a lot to anoint people, and there's someone screaming in excruciating pain, it makes you shiver. And many times you hear things, you wish that you do anything for that sound to stop, but in, in heaven, it's the opposite. Your ears will be delighted with celestial harmony. My Holy Father, St. Francis, once God sent an angel to him, and the angel started chanting. And St. Francis had to beg the angel to stop because he was so filled with joy, he was literally going to die, he said. Imagine how much joy can that, that he was going to die. He couldn't take the joy on earth, but in heaven, we won't die. In heaven, we won't die. In heaven, we're going to hear the saints and the Blessed Virgin Mary sing praises to God. How beautiful. You imagine the voice that Our Lady has. It's so beautiful when you walk into a uh, traditional church, you know, and, uh, and they're singing a choir, Gregorian chant. It's so beautiful. It lifts your soul right up to heaven. But in heaven, you're gonna, your ears will be filled with that. And guess what? You'll be singing too. And I always tell people, most people have horrible voices. Sometimes you go, you, you cringe, you hear people start singing. And, but in, I tell people, you'll have a voice, a voice better than Andre Bocelli. <laughs> you will. And you'll be able to praise God. And praising God is a good thing. I tell people, start in this world. I can't sing praises of God. Why not? Because you, you probably you don't love him, that's why. Or you're not, reckon, you're not realizing all the graces and the gifts that he's given you. So many people don't know their identity. They're lost. I don't know who I am. You're a child of God. That's who you are. That's why I hate these 12-step programs and AA. People get mad at me. Oh, no, it's not from God. What do you got to get up? I, my name is Tommy, uh, Tommy John, whatever, and I am an alcoholic. No, you fool. You're a child of God. And if you start off with a false basis like that, you're never going to end up where you belong. But when you realize your dignity, and it's a high dignity to be called the child of God, you are, you are created in His image, in His likeness. It's unbelievable. You are. And this, but anyway, you're going to enjoy all these things in heaven for eternity. The next thing I want to cover is a glorified body that on the judgment, when Christ comes to judge the living and the dead, all the reprobates are going to be on the left. And their bodies, when they receive their body back, their body will be more hideous than any monster you ever can dream of. And saints tell us if a, a body of a damned person would come on the earth, just the sight of it would kill you alone for the fear that it would instill in you. And I, and I say this to, uh, for good reason what I'm going to say. I said it the other day that it's a mystery. But imagine if one of your loved ones is going to be on the left. A loved one, a mother, a father, brother, sister, a son, a daughter, a close friend. Who could even comprehend that? Now's the time to fight for their souls. Not then, it's too late. But it said, one father will be separated from son, mother from the daughter, separated. And those that are on the right, 
will have a glorified body. Your body will be glorified. And you'll take joy in the fact whoever's on the left is not going to bother you. And who could figure that out? But that's the way it is, and that's true. But the glorified body is endowed with four qualities or attributes. And it's the same as when Christ rose from the dead, when we read the accounts. Number one, the first quality is beauty or brightness. The body of each one of the elect will shine like a star. Yet each will differ and shine with greater or less splendor. According as their lives on earth have been more or less holy. So no two people in heaven will have the same brightness. And they tell us that the least in the kingdom of heaven, their body will be so beautiful, will be brighter than the sun. You, we're thousands and thousands of miles from the sun, and you can't look at the sun, you'll go blind. So imagine how beautiful a body in heaven is, a glorified body, the least in the kingdom of heaven will be brighter than the sun. And it all depends upon how much merit you accumulate in this life. And this, we don't think about enough about these things. That everything we do should be done for the love of God or it's a waste. And if you can't merit if you're not in sanctifying grace. So the first step in the spiritual life is always to be in sanctifying grace. If you have, say, like a ladder represents levels of spiritual life, there's the first rung all the way up, say, say the top one's 100. If you're going in and out of sanctifying grace, if you're committing mortal sin, and then two weeks later, three weeks, three months later, you're falling back into mortal sin, you're not even on the first rung. And I say that because I want you to can climb up the ladder. But you can't merit. You receive no merit at all when you're in mortal sin. And, oh, and, and it's the merit that we get. It's going to depend on about how much degree of, of uh, holiness we have in heaven, how much more pleasure, how much more. And that glorifies God. The main reason we want to glorify God. The holier we are, the more we glorify God. That His Son didn't waste His time on the cross. And so we want to take, wake up in the morning, prostrate yourself. Do your morning offering to everything through Our Lady. Offer yourself for the Holy Trinity. And everything you do is for the love of God. And then there's merit. And when you get to heaven, you're going to see the reward you have. So, St. Alphonse tells a story of this nun. She suffered tremendously and she died. And then she appeared to one of her fellow nuns in that convent. And she was in glory. And the nun said she was beautiful. And she said, yes, I am in heaven. And she said this, uh, in heaven the saints want for nothing, absolutely nothing. You can't because you're totally content. You, have, you can't desire nothing. Totally content. She said, but if we could desire one thing, we would all desire to come back to earth to suffer for, even for thousands of years. She goes, I would be willing to come back. And she had a very horrible illness that she suffered excruciating pains. I'd be willing to come back and suffer those pains for the, till the end of the world, even if it's thousand years. Guess what? She said, even just for the extra glory I would receive for saying one Hail Mary with devotion. You hear what she said? That she's willing to suffer thousands of years 
for the extra glory you get for just saying one Hail Mary from your heart. What do you think our lady's constantly telling us to pray the rosary for? She's trying to, she almost drills it into us. And Fatima, Lords. So if that's true, and it is true, how about when you say the whole rosary? How much more glory are you going to get in heaven? How about when you come to the holy sacrifice of the Mass? And you receive our Lord. Every time you receive our Lord and you're in sanctifying grace, your glory in heaven increases beyond your ever, your imagination. Do you have a desire to come to Holy Communion? St. Teresa of Avila tells us only one Holy Communion it takes to make you a saint. How come we're not saints? She says, because we don't prepare enough for a Holy Communion. And we don't do proper thanksgiving. And all the great saints, they spent half their day preparing to see the Lord. They were on fire for the Eucharist. Because it's truly Jesus Christ himself. Body, soul, divinity. And he transforms us. Normally what we eat become turns into us, but when we receive the Eucharist, we become what we eat, our Lord himself. So we got to start, you know, we preparing more. Again, say, you know what, I want a great glory in heaven, for God's glory. And start thinking about all the spiritual exercises we're doing, and what a great glory we're going to have in heaven. Mind-boggling. And when you start doing that, do spiritual communions throughout the whole day where you, you have formulas. St. Alphonse has a beautiful one where you, you, you tell God, he says, Dear Lord, since I can't receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as one who is ready to come. I unite myself entirely to you. Never let me be separated from you ever again. You know what St. Alphonse says? When you do that, you receive almost the same graces as you actually receive when you receive a host on your tongue. I'm telling you, I'm doing this because I want you to have a great, great beauty in heaven. And the more you accumulate on this world, the more. And look to do acts of uh, corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy. You know, the Protestants that make me laugh, they believe in faith and faith alone, that you don't need works to get to heaven, but their own Bible tells them different. Our Lord says in Matthew 25, when he condemns people to hell there, he says, Lord, but why? I did did miracles in your name. He goes, when I was in prison, you didn't come visit me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. Are you doing the corporal spiritual works of mercy? Or are you living in your little bubble? That trads are good for that, my friends. The little bubble. Stay away. You know? Are you trying to bring God to other souls? So, if we were to see a glorified body now, just one, even if it would be the least one in heaven, it would be brighter than the sun, and we would die of joy. What a gift God has waiting for us. Number two, the second gift is impassibility. The body will be incapable of suffering. It will never be sick or infirm. It will not grow old or unsightly. It won't experience hunger or thirst, hot or cold. You know, 
some men are worried about losing their hair here in this world and things like that, or everybody's on a diet. There's none of that nonsense in heaven, thank God, you know. Some people, you know, think that, you know, I talk to some people, they think it's going to be like a banquet, I can't wait. There's no food in heaven. We'll be so caught up in the beatific vision, we have no idea what's waiting for us. The next gift is agility. That the body will be able to traverse the greatest distance with the speed of thought. That your body is actually going to be able to fly faster than a plane, a jet. Imagine that. I always say, why, 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 why is God going to give us gifts like that? Number one, heaven is a place. Get it through your head. And for some reason, he doesn't give you gifts for no reason. They're going to bring you joy, but there's a reason for the gift. You know, I always tell people, I wish I had that gift now because I hate getting on planes, you know. Now you got to worry about the coronavirus and all that stuff. They're not going to have none of that in heaven. No more viruses, nothing. But your body's going to, when you say, say like right now you're in heaven and just say place you want to, uh, you, you want to be at Rome. The minute you think it, your body's going to travel that distance like that and you're there. And the last gift is subtlety, which is the faculty of penetrating all matter, passing in and out wherever one wills. Like when Jesus appeared to the apostle after the resurrection, what did he do? He didn't knock on the door. He walked through the wall, walked through the door. So we're going to be able to walk through mountains and everything else, penetrate all kinds of matter and whatever. These gifts are going to bring us a gift. And so when your body's aching, when you're suffering, if you got your mind and you know this, and you say, you know what, yeah, I can't walk right now. I can't do this right now. But I know in heaven, unite that suffering with Christ on the cross. And it will bear fruit that will blow you away. First of all, you're going to convert thousands of souls. But you're also going to have a greater place in heaven. But above all these joy, all these joys are the least of the blessings of heaven. The good which constitutes heaven is God himself, the sovereign good. The reward which God promises is not merely the beauty, the harmony, and the other joys of this blessed city. The chief reward is God himself. That is to see and love God face to face. It's called a beatific vision. That's the greatest joy that we're going to experience. See God as he is. You know, so many people complain, can't see God, can't touch Him, want some tangible, you know, some tangible hold on to. How can you believe in something that you can't see, you can't hear? In heaven, we're going to see it. And that's one of the reasons for the uh, incarnation. St. Alphonse says, God said, how come my people don't love me? How come? 4,000 years gone by. He goes, maybe it's because they can't see me. Maybe because they can't touch me. They're afraid of me. So he sends his son as a little babe. <laughs> Takes flesh. He becomes like us, a man in all things except sin, so we won't be afraid to approach him. He's so kind and loving, our Lord Jesus. He's like that because he wants us to come to him. Why we're alive now is the time to do it. Because remember, the judgment... He's not the meek lamb no more. But in heaven, we will see God as he is. St. Augustine said, if God showed his face to the damned, hell would be instantly turned into a paradise of delight. 
At the present, there is a veil before our eyes, and God is seen only with the eyes of faith. But what will be our joy when this veil is removed and we see God face to face? We shall see the infinite beauty of God, His infinite greatness, His justice, His perfection, His infinite love for us. This is awesome. We see St. Paul says, look at what the great athletes do, the Olympians. They train their body. They run their bill fast. They'll do this. They exercise. They do everything for a crown of flowers that withers. But our crown is eternal that God has prepared for you. How much more we should be training than the athlete. And we look around the world today. It's, it's very sad when we see how people are just caught up in their bodies. That's all that matters to them. They're chasing a gold medal. They're chasing just vanity after vanity. We're chasing the crown of heaven. Let us get serious about the spiritual life. And so I encourage you, my friends. I hope these four last things have helped. And we want to become saints. We want to. You know, how can you do the things I'm talking about? First, we have to go to Our Lady. We have to go to God the way God comes to us. God comes to us through the Blessed Virgin. He condescends from heaven and takes flesh in the Virgin. That's how He comes to us. And we must go back through the Virgin. Christ is the head of the mystical body. The fathers tell us, the doctors, that Our Lady is the nexus, the neck. And then those in the church baptize uh, the mystical body, the body. And so what connects the body to the head, the neck, and all those graces? So we have to listen to Our Lady. Our Lady will show us how to get to heaven. She is the star to see. What does that mean? When the, when the old-time uh, uh, sailors, when they were sailing on the ship... They get, you could get lost, so they would use the stars, because the North Star, you know where it is, you'll get home if you follow the stars. Our Lady is the star. She's the only one who could get us to heaven. And she wants to get us there. That's her role, that God gave us His own mother. She never says, He never says no to His mother. Never. And so, I want to quote to you from when Our Lady appeared in Fatima to the, to the little seers. Remember, Sister Lucia was ten, Francesco nine, and Jacinta seven. And in the first apparition, Our Lady said this. She said to Lucy, Do you want to offer yourself to God to endure all the sufferings that He may choose to send you as an act of reparation? For the sins by which he is offended. And as a supplication for the conversion of sinners. What do you think Sister Lucy's answer was? Yes. A big yes. A little ten year old girl. We want to. We want to. And then Our Lady says, then you are going to suffer a great deal. Our Lady promised, but the grace of God will be your comfort. Our Lady, right here now, is is putting that question to you, my friends. 
Do you want to offer yourself to God to endure all the suffering that he may choose to send you? Do you? We all have sufferings. We all have sufferings. Some of us want to choose our own suffering. That is the value there, some. But the sufferings that God sends us are the special sufferings. And they are the ones that really count. Because he knows what kind of sufferings will purify us, sanctify us. That he's the carpenter. And he carves each cross for each person as an individual. Because you may need this remedy, but you may need, and this person needs another remedy. So the, the sufferings that he chooses, he chooses to send you, are for you and you alone. We all have a mission in this life. We are all individuals. And nobody has the same gifts. Nobody can complete your mission but you. Nobody can complete my mission. And we're all here for a purpose. So do you want to endure all the suffering that God will choose to send you? Okay, it's important. As an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended. And as supplication for the conversion of sinners. So our Lord's not crazy. He's not mean. There's redemptive value for suffering. That's how he saved us, through his suffering. He chose. He could have saved us any way. But he chose to do it by the way of the cross. And therefore, when he chooses a way, it's the most perfect way. And we should not have the audacity to question it. But I'm drilling this in because Catholics don't get it. Everyone complains about the cross. Everyone that comes to me is complaining about the cross. I find myself sometimes, i got to correct myself, oh, please, blessed mother, help me to endure the cross in silence. Not to complain. Help me to even have joy in carrying my cross. How can you have joy when you're suffering? You can only have joy in your suffering if you're united with Christ and Our Lady because you know there's redemptive value. And it says, as a supplication for the conversion of sinners. Our Lady Fatima is the greatest apparition. She's shown us how pleased peace plan is the plan to get not only you to heaven, but thousands and thousands of people to heaven, millions. We got to spread this message of Our Lady. And I don't care, get that book in the back and read it over and over and over again. You can't read it enough because a good teacher constantly repeats himself, herself. We have to listen to Our Lady's words. They're there for us. They're written down. Make them a part of you. And if we want to do this, my friends, our Lord, our Lady promised her, and it's a promise to us, we will suffer. We will suffer. But, you know, but she says, the grace of God will be your comfort. So the grace is there for you to carry the cross. The grace is there. We're not suffering alone. We're suffering with our Lord and our Lady. She is the co-redemptrix. She suffered for us at the foot of the cross. After our Lord, nobody, all the saints together, all their sufferings don't add up to that much of the suffering that a queen of martyrs suffered at the cross. So I'm encouraging you. Brace your cross. 
consecrate yourself to Our Lady. Give her all your sufferings. And when you get to heaven, what a beautiful sight it's going to be. All those people that are going to thank you because you got help get them there. And believe me, there will be many. God hides it from us in this world because we'll get big heads because we're filled with pride. We'll see the fruits if we get there. A friend of mine just sent me this quote yesterday, and it's so beautiful. It's from one, if not my favorite saint, Saint Pio. Listen to what Saint Pio says. A walking crucifix, he was crucified. They just came out with a book, yet at Angelus Press, I recommend it. The Last Mass of Padre Pio. And you'll read about what he participated in the Holy Sacrifice. He was literally crucified. I quote St. Pio. Tribulations, crosses, have always been the inheritance and portion of elect souls. To the extent that Jesus wants to raise a soul to perfection, he then increases the cross of tribulation. Rejoice, I tell you, to see yourself so privileged despite your lack of merit. The more you are afflicted, the more you should exalt. Because a soul in the fire of tribulation will become refined gold, worthy to shine in the kingdom of heaven. That is beautiful. And this is why I'm telling you to read the saints. This came from Padre Pio's letters. Get two, two volumes. Get it. He, spiritual letters he wrote to his spiritual children is loaded with, I, you should be able, uh, you read this, it should bring you much consolation if you're suffering. I, I, I want to read it again. It's so powerful. Tribulation, crosses have always been the inheritance and portion of elect souls. To the extent that Jesus wants to raise a soul to perfection, he then increases the cross of tribulation. Rejoice, I tell you, to see yourself so privileged despite your lack of merit. The more you are afflicted, the more you should exalt, because a soul in the fire of tribulation will become refined as gold, worthy to shine in the kingdom of heaven. St. John of the Cross, I remember, our Lord appeared to him and said, John, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. Lord, all I want to do is suffer and be despised for love of you. <sighs> Meanwhile, somebody insults us. We, we get all puffed up. We want to crack him in the head right away. Uh, whatever you want to do, throw an insult back. Unbelievable. That's not the way the saints... Remember, our Lord said, be meek, imitate me, for I'm meek and humble of heart. It's hard to turn the other cheek. And part of the problem is, a lot of times we're trying to do these things on our own. And it doesn't work. You need supernatural grace. Supernatural. St. John of the Cross, when it came time to him to die, he knew he was going to die. He was confirmed in grace, which means he knew he was going to heaven. And guess where he picked? He could have picked any friary to die in. That's where they live, like a monastery, same thing. He went to the friary where he knew the superior hated him, despised him, persecuted him. And he went there. He said, I want to die there. 
And you know what? Right before he died, that man was converted and repented. And that's what meekness does. That's what embracing the cross does. Too many people, their children are away from the faith. And you think all you do is hammering them left and right, preaching to them. You know what? A lot of it's a waste. Because they look at you, you're not living what you preach. And the thing is, we're all looking for these quick, quick conversions on people. But you know what? Because we don't want to wear our knees out. We don't want to do what Our Lady tells us. Pray, do penance. Now, I'm not telling you we don't preach the gospel, but there comes a point where it's time to cease with the words and pick up your weapon. As Padre Pio was getting beat one day by Satan, he called on Our Lady, and Our Lady said, Pick up your weapon, Pio. What weapon? The rosary. And the devil flee. Is that your weapon, my friends? You want to convert your children? You pray the rosary. My mother prayed. She wore out her knees for me. It took her 17 years for me to come back to God. And I know it was because of her prayers. She consecrated me in her womb to the Blessed Virgin to be a priest and renewed it when I was born. But my mother, she talked to me, but then she realized there's a point. She just begged God, begged God. And she begged God for my father. He didn't practice the faith. And a year and a half before he died, two weeks before his 46th birthday, he was young. He went to Mass every day for a year and a half. The rosary is powerful. Our Lady tells us that the rosary will stop wars, famines, plagues. And it does, and it did. And it will stop the wars in your life. It will stop the war, conquer the wars in your family's life. There's a story that I love. I knew this old Italian couple, Virginia and Joseph. And so I didn't see, I seen them once in a while. They used to come to where I was uh, stationed. And they looked very pious souls. They were, I liked them. They were nice people. They knew a lot of friends of mine. And then I didn't see Virginia for a while. And then I saw her and her husband. She goes, Father, Joe passed. I said, I'm very sorry. So she goes, i got to tell you a story. I said, all right, let's go. So she said, you know, Joe was a good man. I loved him. And I said, yeah, I like Joe myself. And she said, but Joe had a problem, a big problem, Father. He was so prejudiced. He hated blacks. And when he would see a black person, if we would be driving a car, he would get enraged and he would curse them. Real profanities. And he hated him. He wanted them to die, go to hell. And she says, it always disturbed me because he, he had such a good disposition otherwise. He was a kind man. He, he, he prayed. He did all these things. But she said, so I, you know, you know, so worried about Joe. And then Joe came down with some uh, terminal illness and the hospital sent him home. They said, you got to go home and die. You get prepare yourself. And so he needed an aide. And so he had, I don't know how many aides, and then one of the aides quit. So Virginia had to call the service up, say, can you send me a new aide? And so I'll be there in the morning early, 7, whatever. So she has a dog knock. She opens the door, and she she almost fell over. She was shaking, and the, and the man, he says, hello. He, he, he You were right. He goes, my name's Dave. I'm the replacement. He was a big black man, over six foot tall from England. <laughs> and she's, 
and she didn't know what. She just started praying, my husband's going to curse this. He ain't going to accept this man to help him. But he came in. Joe didn't say, say nothing. And it was strange. She was like, she thought she saw our Lord working right away. And so the man, uh, you know, was doing what he has to do. And then they started playing chess every day. And then right before he died one day, she said, the Dave, the black man, the aide, went to move one of his pawns, and Joe grabbed his arm, and he looked at him, and he said, I love you. How can that happen? A man that cursed those people for his whole life. It happened because of Virginia praying the rosary. She told me, Father, I prayed three rosary a day for his conversion. That he would get rid of that hatred. It works. It works. Are you willing to do that? Are you? He don't know it will work. And the devil is going to get in your ear and say, your prayers are, were, are bad. They're doing nothing. The more I pray for my son or daughter, the farther they drift from God. Those are all lies from hell. Because they're drifting maybe, but because there's a war going on. And our lady crushes the head of the serpent. She's won the war. You consecrate your children to the mother of God, and she owns them. They become a possession of property. She will not lose what belongs to her. Embrace the Fatima plan. Embrace your crosses. Last week in the first letter in the, in the Mass, in the Epistle of St. Paul, 2 Corinthians, you see St. Paul say, if I am to brag, he starts talking about the works that he did. I mean, he was shipwrecked three times. He was scourged. He was put in prison. He was, uh, when he was shipwrecked, he was out sea one night and one day. I mean, he goes through a whole litany of things. Those were the sufferings that God sent him in his life. And I tell people, we're coming up to Lent now. And you want to give up sacrifices and all this, and we do these things. And I said, you know, sometimes people bite off too much, more than they can chew. I'd rather you do one thing good than five things badly. And so try, how about this Lent trying to really pay attention to the crosses that Jesus has chosen for you as an individual? How about that? How about saying, please help me not to complain, not even to myself. Help me to carry this cross for love of you. That's why I'm telling you, read the life of the saints. You want to learn to suffer, read the way of divine love by Yosefa Mendez. She'll put a fire in you because she shows you how much, you know, you will want to suffer for God. And I told you, God physically will send her to hell. And after a while, one day she said to Jesus, Jesus, I can't do it no more. I don't want to go down there no more. <laughs> it's a horrible place. And you know what? He got mad, and he wouldn't talk to her for two weeks. <laughs> so she finally said, all right, all right, I'll go back down if you want. And she did. And our Lord, in four years of, of going to hell, she died. But I can't wait to meet her in heaven. I can imagine the place these victim souls have in heaven because they love Christ. And how many souls like St. Gemma Galgani. You know, there's so many in the church today. So, my friends, I hope this mission 
has helped you. And, and, you know, help. Tell other people to listen to it. It will be online. But really, embrace the message of Fatima. Live it. Live it, live it, live it. And you know what? If you have an hard time, blessed mother, you know how much help I need. St. Teresa of the Little Flower said, you know, if she was the worst sin in the world, she would just have more trust in God because she would say, you know how wicked I am. I need more grace. Because that's what humility, humility means to know who you are and who God is. Humility means to be grounded in the truth. God is everything. I am nothing. And so if we want our prayers to be efficacious, they have to have certain qualities. And one of the qualities is humility. And then perseverance is another one. That we, this ain't Burger King, you know, have it your way now, boom, boom, boom. No. Sometimes God makes us wait. He tests us. Okay. Are you going to be faithful? So there's going to be a collection right after. I'm going to give everyone a blessing. We'll end the mission. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. We give you thanks, oh my God, for all your blessings, for you live and reign forever. Our Lady of Fatima, Pax et benedictio Deo Nipotente, Patri et Filius et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Thank you. We hope that you have enjoyed this presentation. The Four Last Things by Father Isaac Mary Relier, brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. For these and many other spiritual resources which help spread Our Lady's message of Fatima and the truths of our Catholic faith, we invite you to visit our website www.fatima.org You can contact us by phone at 1-800-263-8160 That's 1-800-263-8160 Or by email info at fatima.org That's info at fatima.org St. Alphonsus Liguori, St. Leonard of Port Maurice, Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Amen.